Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast where we explore the unexplained and mysterious phenomena that have occurred throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. From UFO sightings to ghostly encounters, we delve deep into the stories, the evidence, and the theories behind these strange events. We are your hosts. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. We are an educator duo that after an encounter with a triangular UFO in 2018 in Michigan, we decided to investigate UFOs and the paranormal. In this podcast, we will be speaking with eyewitnesses, experts, and researchers to uncover the truth about some of the most intriguing cases of paranormal activity in and around Michigan. Our goal is not to convince anyone of the existence of these phenomena, but rather to provide a platform for discussion and exploration. So, buckle up and join us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. On an escalator. All right, everybody, how's it going? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of our special series of Listener Communications, Volume 2. But this one today is live, and I have the lovely Michelle with me tonight. And there Hello, she is. Hello, everyone. Ah, what a week. Man, oh man, I'll tell you what, this is uh, insane what the schools are going through this year is really, really very interesting, but that's a topic for another podcast. Hint, hint, hint. No, but I did scare the mess out of my kids on Friday. Why? So can I tell How'd a little story? Can I tell a little story? Yeah. Okay. So I do these things called first chapter Fridays with the kids and I read one chapter out of a book. Um, well, this past Friday, I had used the book The Collector by K.R. Alexander. And of course, it's about dolls. So I stood at my doorway. The, the lights were dimmed, had like the book trailer all queued up. And I was holding my, the first doll that I ever received, which was a Raggedy Ann doll. And for those who know the backstory to the Annabelle Annabelle was originally Raggedy a Raggedy Ann, Ann doll. So here I'm holding the, this door, the door, this doll that's almost 50 years old. Kids are walk, walking by and just like freaking out. I had girls running by screaming like to get past me. And then other kids that were checking it out. Every time they'd go by, if one touched it, I'm like, you're possessed now. These and then smile. Kids, yeah, these kids are way <laughs> over dramatic. So I'm all about building suspense and mood when it comes to books like that. And it's the month of October. So they know that every Friday it's going to be something that has to do with scary stories. Yep. Speaking of scary stories and interesting stories, that's what we got going on tonight. So these episodes that we are doing um, are going to be composed of listener emails and their stories. So be sure to 
go back a couple weeks and check out our listener communications volume one, where we had stories from Randy and Tim. But on this episode, we have one hell of an account from an experiencer um, by the name of Blue Crossroads. And then we also have a Facebook member who sent in his account. His name is Dave. And then we have Mama Dorothy Hawkins. We're going to have her account that she put in um, back in 1997. So we're going to go over these and talk to, uh, about these a little bit. And also remember that these will be released as an audio podcast as well. So um, we're going to save all these that we can for future listeners and uh, for historical sake. So um, one thing I do want to tell everybody is that if you would like to send us your UFO or paranormal experience, please send it to our email at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Also, please indicate that we have your permission to read it on the podcast as well. And uh, we'll change any names to protect any identities that you would like us to. But since we're doing this one live, we're going to give some quick shout outs to those joining us tonight. Then we're going to get ready to jump right into these amazing encounters for you guys. So let me do the roulette of scrolling through chat. And let's just start right here. We got Tabin in chat. Tabin, thank you for joining us tonight. To woo, killing alien. And then we got Diane, the boss boss. So welcome, Diane. And then we have one of our stars for tonight. We got Blue Crossroads. I like that picture. That picture is cool. That is a cool picture. And then, of course, we've got Dorothy Hawkins, one of our moderators and mother to the podcast. So thank you for joining us, Dorothy. Great seeing you. Let's see. Who else do we got as we flip through here? Um, let's see. We've got Michigan UFO site. Oh, wait a minute. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the fact that I was looking at real estate in Montana. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're looking at Montana going out in the mountains. Ah, here we go. And we've got Straw Dog One. Straw Dog, thanks for joining us tonight. Glad you guys could all join us on a Sunday evening. Hold on. And we've got Jeanette oh, Angel. Yeah, we got Jeanette so, Angel. Good morning. Just waking up. Yep. Welcome, welcome. Oh, we've got... Rick Davis. Hey, Rick Davis is here. Welcome, Rick. Good seeing you. Oh, wait a minute. Who's this? Hides in long grass. And then, oh, wait a minute. We've got this special dude right here. It's Guy Merritt. What's going on, Guy? How are you? Good seeing you. Did we get Diane, too? Yeah. Okay. Diane, the boss boss. Oh, the boss yes. boss. Yes. She, she runs the show for us, so. We want to say a very special thank you to everyone who's joining us tonight on this special live edition. All right. So if we didn't say hello and you're in the chat, doesn't mean we don't love you. It just means that we just happen to miss you. <laughs> we're, we're blind and it's or, been a yeah. long week and the weather is horrible. It's yeah. nasty cold right now yeah, in absolutely. southeastern Michigan. All right. Well, I have to give a quick shout out to our YouTube members. We've got yep. Jeanette Angel, Dorothy Hawkins, Girl in the Desert, Lisa Bowden, Paula Faust, Ghost Dragons, and Diane Boss. 
Yep. And if you want to become a member on YouTube, all you got to do is look below the screen right there and you'll see a join button. You can click that and become a member of the show. You will get some really cool special emojis of driver and his UFO that he can drive around on. And then we've got our Patreon members. We have Lisa Bowden. Man, she's a double supporter. She is a double supporter. And Tabin Rice, our our fellow gamer who uh, is killing aliens in his game. Yep. So thank all of you for your support. And thank Hava H still as well. Yeah, she's, yep, she's in there. But she supports us through uh, um, Spotify for podcasters. So she goes through Spotify. That's and why the, she doesn't show up as a Patreon. And the occasional free dessert. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, lie. don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> and leave us a comment below. And if you want to support the show, all the links are below in the show description. Michelle, are you ready to get into this? Yep. Diane's asking if she's a member on Facebook also. Absolutely. Yes, you are. Yep. You're on there. Tabin's like, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tabin's playing the new uh, Starfield game that's out by Bethesda, I think it is. And uh, they're the ones that do like Elder Scroll Online and all of those those games so yeah all right all right are we are we going right into this i think so are you guys ready to uh kick back and hear our first story of the night which comes to us by blue crossroads and this is intense you guys are gonna love this one well and this wayne you're gonna have to watch chat for me because i'm gonna be totally focused on the story here absolutely okay all right so i think we're ready michelle why don't you take it away and read blue crossroads and his incident okay this is from blue crossroads as wayne said and the title the incident I grew up in a family that had more than its share of odd and paranormal activity. I'm the youngest in a family of a married couple with three kids. The oldest, my brother, was and is still very much schooled in the paranormal, psychic, and strange. Even married a psychic and for a long time was involved in a group of semi and full-time paranormal professionals. My sister had the gift of premonition and could see and even to some degree interact with what I would call spirits, especially when she was young, but has seemed to have grown out of it somewhat as an adult. As for me, for a long time, I had an almost unnatural ability to observe people and sometimes even animals and automatically know things about them. Like if they were feeling happy, sad, excited, frightened, or uncertain. I could also tell sometimes if people were lying or telling the truth. Mainly, I could deduce how how they were going to move or react if we were playing sports. For some time, it was suspected that I had some sort of psychic ability, according to friends and members of my brother's paranormal club of friends. I even began to suspect so. However, I later learned that this is an actual science that is usually taught and mastered called kinesics? Kinesthetics. Oh, kinesthetics. Think, okay. Yeah, or kin kinesthetics. Something like that. 
For the most part, it's the study and interpreting of body language. Yeah. As I later learned from some authorities in that field, I had an enhanced natural ability and knack for these skills. I tell you this to establish and better understand that even though I am by no definition a professional in things paranormal, I have had more than the average person's experience in such matters by exposure and being around others who are. In other words, it's not my first time going to the rodeo. <laughs> well, I can tell you nobody's an expert in this stuff. If they tell you they're an expert, run away. I also learned and developed a healthy respect for knowing there are things and forces out there that are based in a much larger reality than the one most people live and place their boundaries of understanding into. Other than that, I grew up like most other kids. I found and fell in love with music at an early age and have up until this day considered music as my number one passion. But I have also always had a fascination for all things paranormal and cryptid. Probably due to my ability and my deep sense of country, duty, and commitment to community, I chose a career in law enforcement. I have worked and trained in many different capacities as my career evolved and worked with and within several agencies to include both local, state, federal, and international departments. This has caused me to gain specific knowledge and required at sometimes disclosure and security clearance requirements, which even until this day are in effect for certain aspects of involvement in some capacities of my prior career. Therefore, due to this, as well as how it may affect others still working within this realm, I must be vague about true identities, locations, and some things I can't, as of yet, discuss openly. Sounds like he's going to have more to send to us at some point <laughs> Ooh, in the future. Yes. It's like part two. <laughs> yes. Throughout my life in this career, I have had several encounters with the paranormal realm most of which I can discuss to a certain degree. The following is one of my most vivid. I started my lifelong career in a major southern city as a police officer back in the mid-80s, but it didn't take long for my career to take off and it eventually required me to move from there. However, while still living and working in this city, I had this brief encounter while coming back from a special assignment I was working on. It was during the summer and around two in the morning. It was a clear night, but hot, not just hot, but Mississippi Delta hot. That means along with the heat, it was very humid. Anyone who has ever spent any summertime in the deep South can understand that. It's a very hot atmosphere that almost need gills in order to catch a breath. I was in my personal vehicle, which was a brand new Chevy Camaro, had the T-tops off and the radio loud the way I like it. Still in my uniform, including a bulletproof vest and gun belt with all the regular equipment attached to it. Had already stopped and got myself a soft drink and was using the breeze to cool me down from a hot night of work. I was heading south on a bypass at a good rate of speed and the only one on the road. The bypass runs through the northeast side of the city, and this part connects the one populated area to another populated area running through a wooded area that runs throughout the city. 
Also in this part of the bypass, the road is slightly elevated as the surrounding area is lowland and also running through it is um, the river, which is a few miles from here and connects with the Mississippi. This area is commonly referred to by the locals as the bottoms. These days, this area of the bypass has been developed and now is chocked full of car lots, strip malls, fast food joints, and such. But back in the 80s, this area was mostly remote and had only a few scattered businesses, none of which were near the bottoms. Bottoms is one of those places that teenagers and young adults would gather at with four-wheelers, jeeps, motocross bikes, and such would go to have fun, or as we called, used to call it, going mudding. Also on the weekends, it was a well-known makeout spot and a place to hang out, drink, smoke, and do other nefarious activities. However, at two in the morning on a weeknight, it was very quiet and generally no activity going on. Also running parallel to the river and wooded area known as the Bottoms is an interstate. It is even more elevated than the bypass. The interstate runs over the top of the bypass and there is an exit and entrance ramp to the interstate. This is also right at the spot you can pull off of the bypass and drive down into the Bottoms. I was approaching this area pretty fast and looking over to the side of the road to my left, where the side road goes down in, into the bottoms. I could see what appeared to be a very bright light breaking through the tree line back in the woods, but my vision was obstructed to see the vehicle producing the light. My first thought was that it was some hardcore guys down in the bottoms to be mud in this time of the morning and had some killer spotlights mounted on their ride to light up such an area. As this was going on and I was still fast approaching the interstate viaduct, something caught my attention in my peripheral vision over to my right, just outside my headlight beams. It was moving fast directly toward the front of my car. I imminently slammed on the brakes while thinking, oh shit, deer running across the road. I could not have been more wrong. It came to a screeching halt right in the middle of the road, right in front of my headlights, not more than seven feet from my bumper. As we are both frozen in place, staring at each other, I'm not sure who had the bigger oh shit expression, me or it. At least, that is, if the thing I was looking at was human, that, then that's the expression I would have guessed was on, it, was on its face. It only stopped and froze in front of me for probably no more than about 10 seconds, but it was a 10-second period that seemed like it lasted for minutes. I can only assume this, but perhaps with the oddity of the moment or fast reaction of stopping the car before I hit something, what I would call my police mode kicked in and I began to mentally take note of the situation and went into observation mode. So I started taking notice of the suspect in front of me. It appeared to be three to four feet tall, but was also crouched. Could have been closer to five if it stood straight up, but I got the impression that its curtain body posture was its normal way of standing. It had a large bulbous head, at least compared to its skinny, slender body. 
The color of the head seemed a bit darker than the rest of the body, all of which appeared to be a dark gray or greenish color, similar to the color of American alligators, but the appearance of its skin looked like a similar texture to human skin. The head reminded me of a head of a common ant. It was shaped the same and had dark, large, oval-type eyes on each side of the upper part of its face, running slanted from the top portion of its head to to and about the midsection of its head, kind of pointing inward to where you would expect a nose to be. However, from what I could tell, there was no distinct nose, at least none like humans. Below the eyes was a thin, very dark, almost black, line, which I assumed was its mouth. It ran from about the same location a human's mouth would be. However, the line ran straight across the lower face in the front and then turned upward and slightly back on the head, almost to the area you would expect ears to be. It never opened its mouth or made any sound, so I'm not sure if that entire entire area opened up or if it was a mouth at all. It could have been just a discoloration from the rest of its skin. It had no ears I could see or even any discernible ear holes, at least where you would expect them. The neck was slightly more elongated and smaller than a human's running down to its body. The chest area was rounded like a human's, but vastly smaller, almost child size. Arms appeared to be longer and somewhat disproportionate to its body and were skinny and had an insect-type look to them. Not so much an exoskeleton look, but obviously jointed. They weren't hanging down as you would expect someone standing there to have them, but kind of folded up on each side of its body, kind of like in a relaxed boxer stance, but with the hands turned in toward it and not me. I could make out hands, but they were also completely folded at the wrist joints against its forearms, so I'm not sure what they actually looked like. Legs were long, because even with this thing's shortness, I could make out the top of them, even with it so close to the bumper, which was obscuring its bottom half somewhat. They were like the arms, thin and insect-like, but it appeared to be jointed the same way but to have the upper part of the leg shorter than the bottom part of the leg. I could not see its lower leg, shin, or feet area to determine what they look like. I did notice its chest area moving slightly like it was breathing, but it seemed slow and steady. If I was racing up that 20 to 30 foot embankment, it just came from even in the shape I was in back, I would have been sucking wind. I never noticed anything like genitalia to determine if it had a particular sex identification or scars or anything like that. No hair any place that I could see. I'm not even sure if it was wearing any type of clothing. If it was, it would have been or uh, would have had to have been skin tight. My main focus was on its head and my adrenaline was pumping and it was only a brief period of observation so I probably missed quite a bit. Then it turned its head quickly as if it saw or heard something coming from the area it was running towards and took off like a shot. 
It was out of my headlights now, but I could still make out its outline in the darkness, and it was moving like an Olympic sprinter. It leaped over a guardrail on the other side of the road and down the other side of the embankment toward the area that I saw the light coming from. I don't know why, other than I'm so used to pursuing suspects when they would run for me, but I popped open my car door and was on my way out of the car to pursue it. There is no way in hell I am going to be able to catch this thing, especially wearing all this gear, a bulletproof vest and this humidity, I thought to myself, but I got to try. I made it halfway out of the car when I thought to myself, stop. So I stopped. Then I think to myself, following it is dangerous to you, move along. So I get back in the car, put it in drive and start to go. I make it several feet to just under the interstate overpass. Then I'm thinking to myself, no, this is not right. So I stop the car again. But before I could get back out of the car, I again thought to myself, stop. And I stopped. Then I think to myself, following is dangerous to you. Move along. Again, I put the car in drive and hit the gas and went. You don't belong here. <clears throat> yeah. I drive about a quarter mile and pull over on the next main road. Sitting there for quite a bit, I try to gather myself enough to check my sanity. Did this just happen? Yep. Did I see what I saw? Yep. Why would I just drive away from that? Why would I tell myself it's too dangerous when nothing during that encounter felt threatening to me? Weird? Yes. Strange? Yes. But dangerous? And why would I think to myself in those words when I never generally use phrasing that way or refer to myself as if I was someone else, uh, someone else saying that to me? Did I just get a Jedi mind trick pulled on me? Perhaps it was trying to save me. Was there something I missed? Was it possibly chasing something else, something more dangerous? All of this was going through my mind. One thing I know from my training is that witness observations deteriorate quickly. I'm also paranoid now that if it was not me thinking this and I'm still battling that issue till this day, could I somehow have this stripped from my memory? So time for documentation. I pulled out my notebook I used for documenting my police activity and wrote down everything I could remember. Another thing I know from my past experiences with anything supernatural is only share with those who can relate so as not to tarnish your public life. I then tore these pages out of my notebook and kept them till this day. Finally, after about 30 minutes of documenting and de-stressing, I turned around and went back. I found exactly what I expected to find. Not a damn thing. No creature, no light in the woods, nothing other than the skid marks where I slammed on my brakes. Called my brother the next day after getting zero sleep. After that, how could I? My brother has also experienced prior paranormal stuff, some with me and some apart from me. But he was older and had been involved with and researching this kind of thing for some time. And I needed a trusted source. Remember, this is the 80s before the Internet. Hold on one second, Michelle. Yes. So Blue Crossroads is in chat right now, and he says, your statement in the last encounter story made me think of this, thought you would relate. Absolutely. Because of the triangle that we saw and the message that I received as we got very close to it, 
it was, you don't belong here. Get away. You don't belong here. Get away. And I, I just, I perceived it as a voice, but I also perceived it as a feeling as well. I mean, it's, it's really hard to describe, but the amount of terror that went through my mind during that point was insane. So I totally understand, you know, being caught off guard with something, some kind of speech or something in your, your head when it comes to encountering these things for sure. Okay. Okay. So this is continuing on the conversation that he had with his brother. Um, He wasn't too sure about the creature, but it didn't fall into the realm of what is known today as your garden variety cryptid. He started leaning more towards spiritual beings. I think probably because that is in more of this, his wheelhouse than anything else. But I had my doubts about that. This thing was solid. It was three dimensional, even though it's putting human expressions on something that's not human. I can't shake the feeling it was caught off guard and freaked out momentarily as I was. It was as if I surprised it. I have never heard of a person surprising a spirit demon or something intangible. It's usually the other way around. My brother is also in a very small circle of people that I have ever told about this encounter until now. I am curious and still seek possible answers to what I did encounter that night. And now that I can kind of relax some on reporting this now, perhaps someone out there had a similar experience or has also run across one of these beings. Any help or a point in a direction would be appreciated. As of now, with some of the research I have been able to do, my thought is that this may have been an extraterrestrial or interdimensional encounter. Perhaps the light I saw was from a craft it was trying to get back to or some parallel dimension doorway. There's also an active train railway railway that runs through there, and it may have just been a locomotive that was passing by when this occurred. I have seen other trains passing through there, but don't ever recall the light being that bright, but who knows. There are also stories from Indian tribes of the ant people who dwell deep inside the earth. So lots to think about. Today, I reside in another part of the South. I am now a retired law enforcement and have worked for several agencies, both local and federal in various capacities, mainly within specialized units. I would like to say that this encounter was my last supernatural encounter during my career and lifetime, but there have been a few others. Those are stories from for another time. Man. Yep. I just, I I know exactly what he's talking about when it comes to that voice. And uh, we have Angela in chat right now and she's saying kind of the same thing. She says, when I saw the thing at the, Mima Mounds, I was perfectly fine looking at and trying to understand what I was seeing until run or die was pressed into me. Then sudden terror turned my bones to jelly. Yes. Yep. They, whatever these things are, they don't want you around. I, I mean, I know people have been abducted and all of this stuff and and they talk about their stories and things like that. But 
And, you know, to Blue Crossroads point, he says it was his voice, but not in the way that he talks. And I honestly cannot tell you um, what the voice was I heard in my head when we saw this thing, just more or less like the emotion. I mean, it was it's the best I can come up with. Well, and it's kind of like the description of how this thing was standing. I just, in my head, I start getting like a praying mantis stance. Well, these seem so with that turn. Yeah. The, they seem very insect like that is for sure. And I mean, you know, driver behind us over here. I mean, that imagery is coming from the thousands of stories of people seeing these things now i have never seen one of these things in person just one of whatever these craft are so um yeah i totally get it and you know i will put dollars to donuts that a lot of our law enforcement people out there have seen these things then they just will not report them and you can't blame them even today and uh, Blue Crossroads does say. Much like a mantis. Yeah. With the, the hands <laughs> being turned in. Well, the, the like, hands being turned in. The forearms, and yeah. just like that shifting of the head and, and the look. That's the, the mental image that I was getting. But, you know, yeah. I have heard of the Native American stories of the ant. The ant people. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And uh, they actually, I think there's some of the stories out there that. Um, say that it was because of those people underground, the ant people pulled humans underground during a time of cataclysm and actually saved them. So, and I believe that's Navajo tradition, one of their stories. So, all right. Ooh, chills. That, yeah. Great story. A <laughs> lot of detail. Blue Crossroads. Thank you very much. A retired law enforcement person. Um, and we'll leave it at that. I'm sure we're going to get some more stories from him in the future and hopefully some other law enforcement people out there that may want to report their story. You can do that. We'll keep it anonymous for sure. But once again, if you want to send us your stories, hit us up mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Hey everyone. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and some friends of the podcast. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan? Hungry? Well, then you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive with daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family. You will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit! All right. I think we're going to jump into Dorothy Hawkins' encounter. As I wet my whistle a little bit and try we're, to get my throat ready here. Yeah, we're going to let Wayne read for a bit. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Dory, Dorothy Hawkins' encounter. This is from January 1997 in a place called Howard's Grove, Sheboygan, not Michigan, but Wisconsin. All right. 
Dorothy writes, and Michelle, watch chat because I am. <laughs> I'm going to be reading this one. I'm on chat. All right. Dorothy writes, I'm posting this UFO report after the fact because I just saw an entry for September 6th of this year regarding activity at New Howard's Grove. I had an experience with UFOs up there one winter night when visibility was excellent. One evening in early 1997, when I was staying with some friends at a little place called Rhine Center, Wisconsin, I was having trouble sleeping. I did what I often do in this situation. I took a drive in my car. The roads were deserted and it was at least 2 a.m., but more like 3 or 4 a.m. I remember passing Howard's Grove that night in my travels, so Rhine Center was close by. The land surrounding Rhine Center is mostly flat or low rolling hills of farmland, and I just enjoyed driving and watching the moonlight on the snow as I went past the farmer's places. Not really trying to go anywhere in particular, just enjoying the moon glow on the snow. At some point, I looked off to my right and there were three flying craft, chevron shaped with round red lights underneath, two to three per vehicle. All right, so I'm going to pause there for a minute because I want to show you guys something. Give me one second. All right. So I'm assuming it was something close to this. Let's see. They were matching me so I could see them flying with me off to my right. I thought they must be testing some new aircraft or something. But odd that they're moving at my same speed from a distance. Not thinking much about it, I decided to keep going, occasionally glancing off to my right to see they were still there. They were. I thought, now this is odd. I decided to make a turn at the next intersection I could find to head off in a different direction, away from them. When I did, my radio station changed to a different tune. Not a different station, just a different tune, interrupting the last one that was on the radio. That is strange. And they were still there, off to my right, matching me. I turned again and again. The radio changed to a different tune. Again, they matched me. I did this at least three or four times before I decided these guys were playing with me. Now, my dad was once an Air Force pilot, and I have had a lot of experience as a youngster, both flying with him and saying hello from the ground to him and his friends in planes overhead. So I decided to signal these pilots that I was playing with them, too. I flashed my lights on and off. I put down my windows and I waved out my driver's side door window and I honked my horn and shouted, hello. <laughs> At this, they decided they had, en had, had enough, tipped their wings to signal goodbye and to part it from my company. I was happy. I thought some pilots were just out having a good time while they were testing experimental aircraft. 
until I saw the graphic that accompanied some link to this website a few days ago. It was the exact picture of the craft I had experienced with or experienced with. And it was a UFO. Yeah. Dorothy said, um, think of the Star Trek Chevron on the communication badges. Okay. She said that that was their shape, but only slightly larger um, than her ah. station wagon. Okay. So, which was an Oldsmobile custom cruiser. Yeah. So very, very interesting uh, sighting. You know, there, I don't think that there's a day, a day that goes by that I don't hope to see one of those triangles or something else again. Yeah, and I wonder if we ever uh, will, because they know we're waiting for them. I, we're ready this time. I mean, here I am, you know, I'm always all over the place when it comes to looking at real estate for, you know, where we're going to, you know, finally land. I mean, I've looked in Nevada uh, you know, this morning, the last couple of days, I've been looking at property in Montana, and I'm thinking, oh, my! I have a couple band parents that like to call that God's country. And when I look up the pictures with the mountains and the water, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's looking so nice. Yeah. Um, it's Janice, like, by the way, asked, uh, "When was this? I came in late." So this was in January of 1997 at a place known as Howard's Grove in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And you can do a quick Google search and find Dorothy's story on uh, the UFO reporting website. It's one of the first things that pops up if you type that in. So, yep. All right. So lastly, we have a short story that came in. From a Facebook user, and uh, we'll just call him Dave. And so this is from uh, Ogam Ogama. I think it's Ogawa. Oh. Ogawa. Ogawa. No, it's yeah. Ogama. 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 Ogama, okay. Michigan. It is. Well, the font on, on the here is different. East side of Michigan, up near Taos and yeah, northeastern. Yeah. So one of the many uh, Indian or Native American named cities in michigan so this was this year he writes in he says on july 10th at 11 p.m i saw what i thought was a star above the big dipper i then saw it blink every 20 to 30 seconds it would blink but get closer it had a bright white light on the bottom it kept getting closer and every 20 30 seconds a burst of light as it got closer, I saw what looked rectangular and looked like it was using thrusters to slow down until it got about 500 feet above the tree line. As it got closer, I could tell it was huge. I see planes all the time up close, including fighter jets, and this was bigger. As a comparison, my pole barn is 30 feet by 60 feet, and the object was larger than my pole barn. This was at about 11 o'clock p.m., and I didn't get my camera in fear of losing the UAP UFO. Imagine that. That's, like, so common. You don't want to take your eyes off of these things. Strangest experience of my life. Wish I had a video. I lost it north of me. 
Michigan has UAPs and UFOs, and that's where he ends his story. Well, I mean, Michigan is surrounded by water. And when was it this year that they had a sighting up north that went over Lake Huron? That would be the Was that the during region. the shootdown? The I, shootdown situation with the balloons? Is that what you're thinking of? That was in the spring. Yeah. The one that was over, what, the Myrtle Beach area? No, well, there was one here too. There was the one here in Lake Huron, in Lake Huron and mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if that if there's some sort of connection between what Dave saw and what we experienced here in northern Michigan. Yeah. So, um, Michelle, what's the name of that place again in Michigan that he wrote about? Ogama. Ogama. Ogama, Michigan, July 10th of 2023. Around 11 p.m. If anybody's out there listening and you saw something that same night that can verify his eyewitness account, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Taven in chat said um, there, there definitely, definitely was one during Balloon Gate. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think there was. I think during all of that balloon stuff. Um, there was some other things going on for sure. Now, were they testing craft or was it actual UFOs, um, extraterrestrial, extra dimensional, whatever, um, who's to say, I, I don't know. We haven't seen any video of those, especially the one, what was the one in the Yucatan? Didn't they shoot one down in the Yucatan somewhere over in, uh, um, Canada. So, well, it makes me wonder with 2024 being an election year too, Lord only knows what's coming next year. Well, the world seems <sighs> to want to be blowing itself up right about now. Not only do we have Ukraine and the Russia still going at it and, and that debacle. Now we've got Hamas and Palestine versus Israel yet again. And it's just, Things keep on getting weirder and weirder out there. Blue Crossroads asked in chat, did uh, did we know that there are massive salt and crystal deposits under the Great Lakes and lots of caverns? Yeah, well, we have the salt mines down in Detroit, too. Yep. I remember as a kid, they used to do field trips yeah, they used to, to go tours. to the salt mines because I remember seeing the salt mines when I was younger. Yep. All right, Michelle. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. I do one of those little groans because I know that it's probably time for us to start closing up shop because it's going to be a long week. I hear the music. I think it's that time. Well, this was awesome. I mean, great stories, everybody. We had three tonight and Blue Crossroads, amazing account. We hope to hear more from you in the future. That's for sure. We need more stories, folks. Yep. mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Yes. If you guys like these listener communication, short, little, well, it's not that short. It's almost 50 minutes. But if you like these shows, uh, definitely send us your account. And we'll come up here to save for prosperity and get it out there as uh audio podcast as well to all the platforms so all right everybody we want to thank you for joining us tonight 
This was awesome. Thank you for sending those stories in as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Please remember, have a good night and keep your eyes to the sky. Ooh, Michelle got it this time. Yes. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.